Now I declare, the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, and I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will, and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord, I'm pleasing him in all respects, I'm bearing fruit in every good work, and I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen? amen. I said amen. amen. If you believe these words you have declared, give me another amen. amen. All right, so I declare to you that that word be confirmed in your heart again today in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Whatever it's not like Jesus is going out. As the word is coming in, in Jesus' name. All right, let's take our seat. Greet two, three people beside you. Tell the person you are wise. God's wisdom is with you. You are walking in the wisdom of God. All right, the Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. The book of um, Romans chapter 12. I'm going to read the three portions. We'll read three portions of the Bible together now. Uh, to introduce what we are going to be speaking about today. Uh, we are looking at the culture of faith. And let me say it again. What is inside us must produce something outside. It is not as if we are looking outward to try and prove that it's inside. It's simply because if it is inside, it will produce outside. That is, the outside product is proof that it is inside. Are you getting my point here? Sometimes people will try to put on actions outside, but really, the thing they are trying to do is not inside. And for that reason, it's not sustainable. They are nice for a few days, then they become very, very evil again. Why? Evil is still inside. Are you getting my point? So you see this, how it happens. If something is inside, it will produce outside. But the only way we know it's inside is by observing it outside. That's number one. Number two, if we try to put on something outside that is not inside, it becomes a struggle and it does not last. You understand my point? It doesn't last. So the culture of it, what we are saying is that our faith, even though it's something that is not tangible, it's something that's inside our hearts, how we know it is what it produces outside. That's one. Then number two, if indeed our faith is genuine, our environment will change, our culture will change. We have established that how people behave is a result of what they believe. That's the last time we were talking about, we took a few days on the matter of marriage. We've been talking about relationships because, you see, I said at the beginning, if you read the writings of Paul, Paul wrote to us in two angles. He first established to us the spiritual side of things. Then he will explain to us the outward manifestation of the things that are real in the spirit. And my best example is the book of Ephesians. From chapter 1 all the way to chapter 4 and verse 17, you will see him explain the fact that you have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. He will tell you that you have been redeemed. By faith you have been saved. Have been saved. Are you getting my point? You have, you have a new man. You say there is one Lord, one body, one hope. He says all of those things. Those are spiritual realities. He now says from 17, therefore. For that therefore, he said because of those things, these are the things that you will now do outwardly. Let the one that's lying stop lying. Let this one happen. They're now focused on relationships. And we've talked about that. One of the relationships he focused on is marriage. Okay? There are different ones. I'm just trying to give, give a small, um, Summary of what we are up to now. So, he picked up marriage. He talked about how people who work for people work for those they work for. How is it supposed to be? He talked about how parents should relate with their children. How children in turn should relate with their parents. Then he talked about how husbands should relate with wives and how wives should also relate with husbands. So, he spent a lot of time on relationships. We emphasizing from there, therefore, that if our faith does not reflect in our relationships, how we handle people, then that faith is not genuine. Another thing is this, if God has blessings for us in the realm of the spirit, until we put the outward things together in the proper places, the blessings that he has for us in the realm of the spirit will not come out naturally, that is physically. And Paul said it like this when he was writing to the Corinthians. He says, since we have these promises, let us cleanse ourselves of all defilement of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. That is, you see, God may have promises for you if you don't arrange some things properly then the promises will not manifest. Therefore, if there's a delay in the manifestation of the promise you found in the word of God, which I believe in God for, you're not supposed to be there harassing him. God, remember, remember, God said, I have not forgotten. Something is causing an obstruction. That's why he said to us in that book of Isaiah chapter 40, he said, elevate 
the valleys, bring down the mountains, make a smooth path for the Lord in the wilderness, then the glory of God will be revealed. That's how it works. So believers, we are supposed to work on certain things in our lives, especially the precepts and principles we are walking by. And then his blessings can flow. That's what I've been looking at in this matter of culture of faith. That's just a quick summary of everything. So up to now, uh, the last few um, meetings, we're looking at the issue of marriage. So we talked about that for three different meetings. Now, what I want to talk about today is not exactly what we're supposed to be. We're supposed to still be on the matter of relationships. But today, for certain reasons, and you see in a moment, I want to just switch and talk about that, even though it's not called matter of relationships, but because Peter talked about it. So for us, it's just a good point from where we can just connect with this point we're discussing today. And then later on, we'll come back to the matter of relationships. Let's see what it is. Let's open our Bibles again to the one we have been reading for some time. First Peter chapter 3. Now, um, to save our time, I'm going to read this in a particular translation. We'll read from verse 1 to verse 6. We've read this a number of times, but this is just to explain why we are going on in this matter at this point. He said, wives, in a similar manner, I'm, I'm using the God's word translation. There's a reason why, just to make something very clear. He said, wives, in a similar manner, place yourselves under your husband's authority. Some husbands may not obey God's word. Their wives could win these men for Christ by the way they live without saying anything. In verse 2, he says, their husbands will see how pure and reverent their lives are. He said, now, please notice verse 3. Wives must not let their beauty be something external. Beauty doesn't come from hairstyles, gold jewelry, or clothes. Rather, beauty is something internal that can't be destroyed. Beauty expresses itself as a gentle and quiet attitude which God considers precious. After all, this is how holy women who had confidence in God expressed their beauty in the past. They placed themselves under their husband's authority, as Sarah did. Sarah obeyed Abraham and spoke to him respectfully. You become Sarah's daughters by not letting anything make you afraid to do that which is good. Now, that's what we're, that we've read this almost every day for the last uh, previous, three previous meetings that is on this subject. And now, because here, Peter began to speak about how um, he, he made reference to how people dressed, how people used, um, how women used uh, cosmetics. They used the word cosmetic, they didn't, but you understand my point. How they adorned themselves. Let's use a good old English. I want to just, at this point in time, go on and talk about that matter, just because we have been reading it for some time, and it's a good time to just connect it. Now, bear that in mind. So today, I want to talk about what God actually has to say about how Christians dress. Christians, I didn't say women. What did I say? Yeah, because it's important. I was not say women. It's both men and women. God has something to say about how... Uh, listen, there's nothing... God doesn't have something... I don't want to use the word an opinion. Has, there's nothing that doesn't have an instruction concerning. You know, when I became a believer, those days when I began to study... Um, the word of faith, those days when we were in school. One of those things that was said to us, it was implied and it was stated directly, was that God does not look on the outside. Of course, that was quoting from who now? Samuel. When he was in the house of Jesse to pick a king, a replacement for Saul. The first person that came before him after they made up their arrangements and got to the house of Jesse, I've come to sacrifice, give me your sons and all of that. The first thing, person that came before him was Eliab. Now, Eliab, now this is a summary of it. Eliab, Eliab reminded him of Saul. Eliab was a kind of person that would be a commander. Kings that time were, first of all, commanders in battle. That's what they were. They were not people who sat and wore Agbada. Till now, if you see the official um, uh, uh, garment of uh, a person like, uh, like the British, uh, the English kings, if you see there, um, somebody like, what's his name now? Okay, the guy who married last time. What's his name? Uh, did you watch this thing? He wedded in a military attire. The queen had to give him special permission to wear his beards. <laughs> you understand? That is their typical royal appearance. Kings, historically, they were warriors. Do you understand my point? 
So they were commanders. And if you go and read the story of um, Israel, when Israel asked for king at that time, they had a man attacking them. They had a neighboring nation attacking them. So they needed somebody. They just wanted, essentially, they wanted a standing army to be their defender. And that had to be headed by a king. That was why they came asking for Saul. So, uh, yeah, that's what the first time. So this time around, when God was going to replace Saul, it made sense, therefore, to Samuel, who didn't understand what was going on. Of course, he was a human being. He looked at Eliab. Eliab's stature, boom, it hit it. This is the real commander. The man, he looked like a man to lead a battle. He says, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. Now, that was when God now said to him, man does not, God does not see as man sees. Man looks at the outward, but God looks at the heart. That is the context in which that statement was made. Now, what we now decided is that that's all that happens. God never looks on the outside. Now, let me quickly say this. Christians are very, no, not Christians. Human beings have a problem. That's what? Maintaining a balance. They always swing from the left, a left extreme now, to the right extreme. When God wants them to be in the middle. Now, the problem would be with being at the extreme. Sometimes people say, let's go to the extreme. So that at least we are far away from the bad side. The problem with that is this. It always leads to a spring back. People, after a while, will react. Are you getting my point? If you tell children, behave like this, behave like this, because you know you don't want to keep them very, very far away from what is wrong. The problem with extremes is that they always suffer a bounce back. And people will now bounce back to the other extreme. I would rather people stayed in the middle. Even though there may be a risk. You know, you, sometimes you think that the middle is too close to the other side. Stay in the middle. Because if you stay at the extreme and push everybody to that extreme, what happens is that people will react. Now, why am I talking about this? Those days, at least in Nigeria, I wasn't living abroad, I was living in Nigeria, so I can tell you what it was like. Born-again Christians spent a lot of energy on external things. If you join the church, if I remember, I remember one young lady, I, well, to say I met, to be like I knew her, I didn't, but I was somewhere where they were talking, you understand, okay? Those days, she just gave her life to Christ, she was joining a particular church. So I heard her and somebody else talking. They were not talking to me, I was just listening. And if you see all the instructions, the first set of instructions she was given was on how to dress. They examined her skirts. I mean, this one is too tight. Now, what they call too tight that time, <laughs> is labu right now. They measure the length of your skirt for you. I like one thing um, Pastor W.F. Kumuyi did recently. He said he's going to remove all the doctrines he preached that were not of God. Let me tell you, follow the word of God. Don't follow people. Because when they discover the truth, they will leave you behind where you were following them. I heard that one day a man walked into Pastor Kumuyi's office intending to report to Pastor Kumi, what happened at the program he went for. So Pastor Kumi said that, as I talking, he told him, I, said, I heard that he told the man, I, I, I know what happened. How could you have known? You were not there. He said, I watched it online. The man resigned from the church on the spot. That this is not serious. That is, he couldn't take it. That Pastor Kumi can watch a live stream. Because he grew up believing that the man doesn't look at any screen. As far as he was concerned, either the man is backsliding or the man lied to me all these years. So Pastor W.F. Kumi said it a few years ago that in the latter parts of his life he's going to dismantle everything that he preached that was not the word of God. We all know deeper life women tied to ban all the time. From what he said, that is one of the non-essential church doctrines. This is Pastor W.F. Kumi. He's not saying don't cover your hell. He's just saying that that banning is not Christ's doctrine. It is W.F. Kumi's idea of doing things. That's that just by the way. Now, so the church was in that Christianity was measured by external things. You were not a Christian if you had lipsticks. If you use lipsticks, you're not a Christian. If your hair is anything apart from the way God made it, maybe with a little bit of rope, if you chemicalize it one bit, and now I grew up in Western Nigeria, and I speak Yoruba very well. When you treat your hair, when you perm your hair, you understand? In Yoruba language, the same word as burning 
Do you understand? So you say you go and relax your hair. They say you, you go to burn your hair. And it's derived from the days of using stretching combs. Those stretching combs were hot, and they literally burnt your scalp. They didn't burn your hair. They burnt your scalp. <laughs> oh, this, some people here are young. All these small, small boys and girls. If you ever saw a stretching comb, can I see your hand? Put down your hand. Put down your hand. <laughs> okay, the Lord is good. Stretching comb was a normal thing those days. I'm telling story, what I'm telling you now is I'm talking 40 years ago, thereabouts. That was stretching combs. Okay? So that's where they derived that from. So they now continued that into the days of um, relaxers, you know, and stuff like that. So one man was preaching one day, and he quoted from, that's why I told that whole, that whole thing, is to bring this point out. I was somewhere when the man was preaching, preaching against touching your hair up for any reason. He quoted a particular scripture. I, I, I don't have it now. I didn't, I didn't think I would quote it. I've checked it out. He said that, now, in Yoruba Bible, it says like this. <laughs> okay, let me put it like this. Let me, let me first give you in English. In English, it says that a bald head, a bald head is a consequence of a burnt head. That if I burn your head with fire, your head will become bald. You won't have hair there again. So, in Yoruba, it goes like this. Now, follow this. If you perm your hair, you become bald. <laughs> Do you get what I'm going to say? Yes. Uh-huh. That's how it now... So, it, I mean, you could read it like that. That a bald head is a consequence of chemicalizing your hair. Meanwhile, what actually says literally in English is that if I put your head inside fire, I enjoy you so badly, you become hairless. So that was among the things used to teach how Christians should never touch their hair. Funny things, you hear things like this. The word make up, hmm, it means God did not make you enough. You want to make up for what God did not do. You know, we start talking, oh, I, I heard all of these things. So Christianity was centered around that. For that reason. When solid teaching of the word came back, came out. When we began to learn things like the word of faith. When Pentecostalism swung into Nigeria, I, I went to the University of Benin when the word of faith was the one that was being preached all over the place by serious believers who wanted to learn the word of God. One of the things they attacked was external definition of righteousness. So they said, listen, it's not about the length of your skirts. It's not whether you use your hair. And then Archbishop Benson Dawson, of course, he came out those days with all the glamour. My God is not a poor God. He wore the most, if I remember those days, at least, I, I, I mean, when we, then we were wearing native clothing, if you wanted to look at the man's, the quality of what he's wearing, look at how his embroidery is done. That is where the money went. His embroidery was one thing we used to sit down at home and watch on TV. Flowing Agbada like this, going for crusades, and we'll see his wife, rings on her fingers, hair well done, and we'll say, my God is not a poor God. Now, I'm saying something here. A lot of Christians now capitalize on all of those things, the teachings, and then they swung to the other extreme. That's where I'm going. In fact, when I was on campus, you were called a sense-knowledge person if you look like a deeper life man. No, men don't have any problem. It's a woman. You understand? Know, what will a man wear? You know be shirt and trousers. Are you getting my point? <laughs> you know they pass like that. But it's ladies that had the problem. It was sense-knowledge. If all of you went out fellowship and had to cover your hair before you did it, they say you're operating SK. We had a word, a slang for it, SK. SK, that's short for sense knowledge. Said those guys are operating SK. They are operating the flesh. They don't know how to look in the spirit. Now the problem, I didn't mind that. The problem was that you now go to some fellowships. My fellowship was not like that, thank God. You go to some fellowships, you saw bomb shots, and they are worshipping. You saw the baddest makeup, and they are worshipping. The kind of makeup I only saw in my book of Bible stories on Jezebel. <laughs> and they were worshipping. My friend, no, my friend, well, two of our brothers, they were my seniors, two of them friends, they went for one fellowship, one of those fellowships on campus. And one of them, instead of joining them to worship and listen to the word, he was tapping his friend. He said, ah, that girl is wearing pants. I mean, that is funny. She's what the fellowship. He said, my friend, be quiet. Let's just join the fellowship. Ah, he was just scanning what people were wearing. And then I remember the days, household of God in Lagos. No, that was where the girls went to do their fashion parade. The baddest things you saw them wear to church. Why? We're swinging from one extreme. 
of extreme conservatism to total reckless liberty. And I say it, I was there. It was total and reckless liberty. We're told that God does not look on the outside, which is taken from a scripture that is true. A portion of the Bible is correct, but applied to an extreme. Anytime you are reading the Bible, never forget the context in which something was spoken. Never forget the context in which it was spoken. People take righteousness by faith. That's why in recent I've been talking about that book of James. Righteousness by faith, God does not look outward. You are saved by what is inside your heart and all of that. We know it is true. Like I said at the beginning, what we are just explaining, what James explains to us, is that even though it is true that faith is in the heart that saves, if it does not produce works, the faith is dead. Are you getting my point? So you see, Christians now learned, when they learned the true word of God, when they went into it, when they began to study the scriptures, people gave them the impression that God never looks outside. But I want to tell you, it is not true. And I'll show you from scriptures. It is not true. He doesn't make his judgment. Now, okay, let me say it like this. It is not true that he is not concerned about what goes on outward in our outside you know, manifestations. It is not true that he's not concerned about what we look like. It is not true that he's not concerned about those things. However, let me quickly start by saying that it is also true that many of the things we call Christianity, they were not. The people come with things like, no, I, I don't, I, I, I'm not going to do, I'm not going to do a systematic study on this. I'm just going to keep talking. I hope I'll be able to say everything I want to say. All right? Many of the things people started calling Christianity. Again, they took the scriptures, applied them wrongly, just like those who went to the extreme of reckless, um, carelessness. They also, those other people who went to the extreme of the conservative side, they also took it to unnecessary extremes. They said, look, you can't wear trousers. Why? The Bible says don't wear men's clothing. Except that I married a Niger Delta woman and I had to tie a wrapper. In Yoruba land, that's women's clothing. Oh, men don't tie a wrapper in Yoruba land. Occasionally you find some kings that had all look like rappers. But I had to marry a Niger Delta woman. I had to tie my wrapper. I couldn't quote scripture for them that is female clothing because that is their official men's clothing. And the days, I saw a picture of him, the days of Okotiebo, his rapper used to have a train that filled the temple. <laughs> the train of his robe used to fill everything. You've heard of, uh, is this Scottish kilt? It's skirt, forget the kilt or quilt or whatever it is, it's skirt, in a skirt. And the days of Jesus, all he wore was what? Gowns. Which is still worn today in that part of the world. So people took it to an extreme. So if my wife is wearing my shirt, she's breaking a law. She's wearing men's clothing. But like I told somebody, just make sure you are wearing a female shirt. And make sure if you are wearing trousers, it's female trousers. Then you can start the argument. I really don't care the one you wear in that area. You know my, and I'm going to say that today, okay? Let me again explain something as I'm beginning to teach. That it is not one of the weightier matters of the law. Let's start with that. It's not one of the weightier matters of the law. It's like the icing on the cake. Are you getting my point? Yeah, so that's why I want to be done with this today. And when I'm done, you'll be surprised I will not solve a lot of problems for people. Yes. I'll just establish a few points and I'll be gone. I'll, I'll leave it. Because I have found out that there are few areas where you can easily get into unnecessary controversies as much as in this one. There are very few areas. And let me tell you the reason. Because how we dress is affected by many things. You see the way Arabs dress? It's not Islam. It's weather. When people start, you know, people tend to import people entirely. Are you, what I mean is that missionaries came, businessmen came. Both people came. Their government came. Three groups of people came. Missionaries, businessmen, and government. Government came and colonized to protect the interests of you know, their citizens. In that process, we learned a lot of things, including wearing suits and ties, which is senseless in our weather. They built it on their cold weather. Are you getting my point? Yes, it's, it had a lot of it has to do with weather, but it's become normal because we imported the English thing. I mean, think about it. In the stifling heat we have here sometimes, somebody will still push a shirt, button it, which I also do, no, nothing 
So don't think this man is angry with you. I also do. The reason why you don't see me do it much these days, a number of reasons. One, we have not been videoing for television. We have been off TV for a while. If we go back on TV, my suits will come back. But I'm bringing out something here. So you see, so I'm not trying to say that you are doing bad by wearing suits. I wear suits also, okay? There are places I go, I have to wear a suit, all right? But I'm trying to say that it's, it's, it's literally English culture, which we imported. And But the way they dress is, has a lot to do with their weather. So your dressing, is a, the culture of dressing is affected by weather. You say, but in the Arab countries, everywhere is hot. Don't forget, it's also very dry. So that heavy clothing you see is designed to shield out the heat. The heat is so much. Outside, I was watching TV the other day. They were giving them the average temperature of uh, Saudi Arabia, uh, of Dubai. Average summer temperature in Dubai is 41 degrees. That is average. That is what? Which means there are times you get 43, 44, 45. Those of you who live in southern Nigeria, you've never tasted 40. Down here, we've hit 37, we say it's hot. And the normal human body temperature is 37. We wear clothes for temperature control to keep our heat, to keep the heat in, preventing cold. Do you understand? Or to let the heat out. That's all we do. Either to keep our heat in or to keep the, let, let the heat out. Why? We're always warmer than the environment. But there, they wear that heavy clothing to keep their heat out, the heat in the environment out. Under their clothes is cooler than outside. But for us, you know when you're hot, what do you do? You remove your shirt. But if you're in the desert over there, when you're hot, you cover yourself. Why? The heat is coming from outside. And then because the weather is rather dry, the sweat you're sweating under can still evaporate under your clothes and keep you cool. That's how all the wrapping of head, wrapping of body in a hot environment evolved over time. But you move out to very cold places. They also wrap and wrap for a different reason. Then you get down to tropical Africa. You find that traditionally we like to go naked. So if, you, if you've watched all these um, old, uh, the, the, our home movies, you see very common for the men to just tie a wrapper and walk around. It's the weather. And in certain cultures, till today, you see them, the women still go around topless. And they are not trying to, they are not trying to be sexy. Over time, the weather dictated the way people looked. But then it now becomes a culture. So, when an Englishman goes everywhere, he carries his suit with him. I say this is formal wear. And according to fella Anikula Pokuti, we with Kolo mentality, Continue to insist that is formal wear. Once I told, told one of our guys who, who's a fashion designer, I said, oh boy, why don't you guys just go to the banks, call the managers to guys, explain to them, or the top men, you know, the CEOs, the EDs, and say, guys, can you just promote our business by changing your formal wear from this color mentality suits and start having nice, what they call Afrocentric, like the kind of thing I'm wearing. Just make it formal, that if all the MDs start doing it, 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 it will walk down the road, you know, the way, down to the banking hall. And if all the bankers dump the suits and stuff, then there's more money for our guys who are making the thing, and which we do very well, you know. You go to Abba, the industry is massive. Listen, I'm using all of that just to explain some things. That is very difficult, therefore, to make certain rules. Very difficult. In Islam, as an example, covering entirely is a law for them, for women now. Even for men, in Islam, you, your, your trousers can't, you can't wear short higher than your kneecap. Your kneecap is not allowed to be exposed even as a man. Do you understand? Okay. I remember then as a young person, observing things around. I was pretty surprised once. I saw some Islamic girls on TV, you know, they were singing Islamic song on a Friday. And I saw them wearing trousers. It was surprising to me. I thought religious people didn't do that. Then Christians didn't dare it. But for the Muslim, it was easier to cover up. Do you understand? And of course, if you're in the military, man or woman, they don't need to tell you to wear trousers. When you, when battle starts, you yourself will speak to yourself. <laughs> in modern warfare, you will wear trousers. When I was serving then, there was one girl that was in my camp, deeper life girl. But she was a, 
they picked her to join the color party. How many of you remember the color party? So, I, so we know guys what we will do. So I watch now and say, let us see what this girl is going to do. Because they just, you know, they, they have their criteria. They just like, look, this girl will do well in color party. She was matching very well. All the while she was wearing her diva life skirt, you know, there's people like that when they come to camp. They, they, they wore brown, the khaki that you use for, that one was converted to skirts and they let them be. It's religious, uh, conscience matter. But she enjoyed, she joined color party. <laughs> they, I'm sure the camp commander found her trouser by So all of us just they look. You know the way guys they do. They just watch what is going to happen. And the girl would look until they came for parade. And we saw her in trousers. Good. Color party, you have to wear your trousers. You ain't going to match with skirt. <laughs> the Lord is good. Now I'm trying to explain all of this to let us know that there are some things that are not the weightier matters. And they are difficult, therefore, to make firm laws concerning. They are very difficult. And a lot of things we sometimes practice in trying to be good Christians, they are nothing but human application of, let me say, unnecessary strictness. I'll be blunt about it. For example, I was brought up to think that um, you don't wear jewelry as a good, as a serious Christian. I read my Bible, and I can say for sure, God prefers women to wear jewelry. That's what I think. Yeah, and I, there are scriptures for it. God described, when I found Israel, I put a gold ring. That's, what he, that's how he described it. That's how he described it. I put it on you. I put my bangles. If you see the way, if you see the way he described it, we've studied it here before. God describes that. People say, you, are, you shouldn't make up. I said, Jesus said that when you are fasting, what you do, add, anoint your face. It's the same thing like put on cream, put on, look nice. A few things I'm going to explain. Anyway, I'm, like I said, I'm just talking plenty. I hope, I'm, I hope I'm, you are following me. I, what I'm saying is making sense. Because I'm beginning to suspect myself <laughs> whether I'm making sense. Now, so I made a number of points. One, it's not one of the weightier matters. A lot of things affect it. Let's read another scripture. There's a reason why I need to read this. So we need to read this so I'll be able to explain some things. First Corinthians chapter 11. I want to read um, about... Um, we read from verse 2 to verse 11. It said, Now I praise you because you remember me in everything and hold firmly to the traditions just as I delivered them to you. But I want you to understand that Christ is the head of every man and the man is the head of a woman and God is the head of Christ. Now if you read this in the Amplified Bible, maybe I should just um, save time and do that. I don't know. Okay, okay. let me just switch to the Amplified Bible so as to save time. You can read in your own Bible, but I think uh, to save our time, I should just use the Amplified Bible. I'll continue from verse 3. But I want you to know and realize that Christ the head of every man, and the head of a woman is her husband, and the head of Christ is God. Any man who prays or prophesies, teaches, refutes, reproves, admonishes, and comforts, that is different words for prophesying, with his head covered, dishonors his head. Christ. And any woman who publicly prays or prophesies, when she is bareheaded, dishonors, dishonors her head, her husband, is the same as if her head were shaved. And if a woman will not wear a head covering, then she should cut off her hair too. But, it is not, it, but if it is disgraceful for a woman to have her head shorn or shaven, or shaven let, her, let her cover her head. For a man ought not to wear anything on his head in church, for he is the image and reflected glory of God. His function of government reflects the majesty of the divine rule. But woman is the expression of man's glory, majesty, preeminence. For man was not created from woman, but woman from man. Neither was man created on account of or for the benefit of woman, but woman on account of of and for the benefit of man. Therefore, she should be subject to his authority and should have a covering on her head as a token, a symbol of her submission to authority, that she may show reverence as do the angels and not displease them. Nevertheless, in the plan of the Lord and from his point of view, woman is not apart from and independent of man, nor is man aloof from and independent of woman. For as woman was made from man, even so man is also born of woman. And all, whether male or female, go forth from God as their author. 
Consider for yourselves, is it proper and decent, according to your customs, for a woman to offer prayer to God publicly, with her head uncovered? Does not this, he said, does not, okay, verse 14, does not the native sense of, pro- of propriety, experience, common sense, reason, does that not itself teach you that for a man to wear long hair is a dishonor, humiliating and disgrading, degrading to him? But if a woman has long hair, it is her ornament and glory. For her hair is given to her for a covering. Now, if anyone is disposed to be argumentative and contentious about this, we hold to and recognize no other custom in worship than this, nor do the churches of God generally. Let me stop reading there, verse 16. That's why I stopped. Now, I read this. We'll come to it also. This is important. Now, I'm just going to quote this, Romans chapter 12. He said, be not conformed to this world, but be what? Transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, I think I've read the things I want to read. We can now start speaking. What have we been doing all the while anyway? <laughs> now, like I was saying, does, is there a way Christians are supposed to dress? As a standard kind of clothing we are supposed to wear, where, how do we wear our, should women wear makeup? Should they wear jewelry? Should they wear all those things? There is not a standard to ascribe to every church of God in the world. It's not possible. For the reasons I've already explained. It is not possible because weather differs. Normal custom not born of idolatry also differs. I use the word not born of idolatry because customs have evolved over time, like I said, one of them being the weather around people. They have history around them. Okay, so, and some of those things you see, uh, the Bible doesn't go around fighting or attacking. Jesus did not come with a garment from heaven. He wore the ones that were being worn on the earth at that time. Is it okay for people to adorn themselves? Let me quickly discuss that. I think it is. Like I said, I'm not going to do a systematic study. I'll just tell, just try and summarize everything. Okay, so we can finish with it today. It's not one of the weightier matters, so I want to be brief about it. I think it is. And we see examples from scriptures. Jesus told us clearly, if you are fasting, adorn your face. Anoint your face, he said. Alright? There was a time they poured perfume on Jesus and he saw absolutely nothing wrong with it. And the person who came to do that was doing something that she felt was I mean, it was going to be acceptable by him, and it was. We see that, okay? Which means, therefore, there was nothing wrong with him for people using perfume to smell nice regularly. Nothing wrong with that. Now, how did the disciples dress? The Bible didn't say much about it. One bishop said it, that they all dressed like Jesus. Otherwise, why did they need Judas to kiss and identify him? <laughs> if you wore a robe, like maybe he had the bishop's gown and the pastor's wore suits, the twelve the twelve pastors following him, and he being the bishop wore a gown. They don't need Judas to kiss him because Jesus said, "I will kiss him." You know who? Uh-huh. That look. We don't need Judas to do that. We just there is okay. It's that guy wearing the long robe. Make a long story short, the, the man said that it's likely he dressed the way he did. Now, but and what did he wear? It was something that was good enough for soldiers to want. Do you understand my point? And they recognized the quality of it. They said, we shouldn't cut it. It was a craftsman's job. Somebody took time out to weave it from the top to the bottom to his size. You are getting what I'm trying to say here. Uh-huh. There are some things the Bible didn't lay emphasis on, so I will try not to lay emphasis on it, but we'll just try and observe it here and there. Okay? I'm going to say something here. I believe, this is my conviction, that those who go to the extreme of conservatism, all right, they are just as bad as those who go to the extreme of carelessness. Too much freedom. The reason is that as some people are misbehaving physically in their appearances, so are some people misbehaving spiritually by having confidence in their appearance. It is important you bear that in mind. Okay? It's important. Now, another point I want us to bear in mind is, as a matter of fact, whatever is going on in your heart reflects outwardly. It does. In fact, the reprince believes that you hinder your faith if you don't look nice. The reprince, not me. Don't, don't hang me. I'm quoting the reprince for you. No, he, yeah, he said so. He, and if you know, he was a conservative person. In fact, the reprince was one of the persons that his wife covered her hair all the time. 
that he believed that. But he says that when you look gloomy, when you look dowdy all the time, yeah, you invite the spirit of heaviness into your life. Yeah, that's what he said. Now, coming from a conservative man, take that seriously. Very conservative. He said, people just go around inviting the spirit of heaviness. You go around looking sad. Satan would think you are a good company. Say, bros, you're not looking happy at all. Look at your face. You're looking like... Now, some people say that, why should a woman make up? Listen, you know why a woman should make up? Why, why, why would women make up? Because they want to look nice. And there is absolutely nothing wrong with it. It is not Christianity to say that when you are making up, you are insulting God. When you dress up too, there's no up in that dressing thing. Why don't you go naked? Why didn't you go, go creative with clothes? So look, let's, let's throw away common sense Christianity. Are you getting my point? Let's not be, let's not be making a fool of ourselves here. All right, are you getting... <laughs> look, some people don't like it. Fine. Nothing wrong with that. We're not going to judge ourselves. Okay? I mean, one of my judge ourselves and I say that you're a bad person, you're a good person. There are some things that are just personal to different people. But within that, you know, within the, 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 those um, boundaries, within that, looking at that, we draw certain ideals or, no, no, that's not a good word. We give ourselves certain guidelines. Do you understand? Now, I was saying that this is difficult. I think it is impossible. For human, humanly speaking, for us to make some firm rules about certain things. Alright? For everybody. We have to learn to adapt issues to situations. In the context of what is going on in the society. I will, I will speak more about this as I go on. Let me quickly address something about should a man wears women's clothing and a woman wear... Did I say it right? Yes, I said it right. Okay. <laughs> you know, the first time we heard that, Moses wrote about that in Deuteronomy chapter 22. That was the first time he heard about it. It was a straight commandment for them. Now, there are things you hear. If you don't understand what he's talking about, you interpret them wrongly. Let me make a long story short. How many of you ever saw Boy George? Yes. Modern young men and women, you won't know Boy George. He was a very famous English musician those days. A British, anyway. No, that is from England. But anyway, it was um, very, very well known. Sang songs like, uh, his songs were all over. They sang a, a kind of cool reggae. Reggae was what he did. If you saw Boy George, he was a very beautiful girl. Did you hear what I said? Boy George was a very beautiful girl. He was a cross-dresser. Are you getting my point? What, what, I mean, there's one guy in Lagos now. Eh? I don't, what is his name? Bobriski. Bobriski. Okay, yes. There really something, I think. Okay. Oh, that one is different. Okay, that one's another cross dressing. Now listen to me. Cross dressing is demonic. Let's forget the law, no law. It's demonic. You think some of them are acting, they are not. They're under a compulsion. It's a demonic influence. Some of these things are it's demonic. It's different from now, let me be careful now. Let me be careful. It's different from those who do the you know they call dress the drag. Yeah, those ones are slightly different. There are people who, they are normal men, but they like to perform. Maybe they come on stage and pretend to be women and all of that. That's slightly different. But I'm talking about transvestites, cross-dressers. They are people afflicted by Satan. They may come and look as if they are show people they are not. When a man gets up, what God specifically spoke against, listen, is that cross-dressing. It is not whether you wore a shirt or what trousers? Because there are men's shirts, there are female shirts, there are female trousers, there are men's trousers. What he was trying to say is simple. You don't get up, dress up like a woman to go out so you can look like a woman. That's what he was talking about. God did not look. It is carrying the principle of Sabbath to an extreme. When he say you cannot even, you know, like Jesus, like Jesus was telling them that in the day of Sabbath you can't do good. It's the same thing when people say that. No, that's a man's shirt. My wife wears my shirt. But she doesn't wear when she's going out. We're in the house. In fact, the point is that I had to explain to her, say, baby, okay. That many of my t-shirts, okay, take. Because she just wants to go out briefly, just carry my t-shirt. And because she can wear my t-shirt, I'm bigger than she is. I can't wear her t-shirt. So my t-shirt gets dirty. And then when I need the t-shirt, there's none to wear. And I say, you've used up all my t-shirts. He says, it's not my husband's t-shirt. That's how she will answer me all the time. That is not sin. That's not what the Bible is talking about. 
Justify is a man's t-shirt. She wore it. It's not a big deal. What he was addressing is cross-dressing. Let's get that clear. I'm not going to sit on it. But what we don't understand. Let me tell some of the laws that Moses, that, that, some of the laws that God gave Moses to give to Israel. So all these hair people are cutting. Me too. I hope you know it was against a law in Israel. But again, there was a reason for it. It was an attack against idolatry. Let me say something to you. God wanted Israel to look physically different and geographically different from the thing, from the nations around them. So they, they drew, he drew boundaries for them and drew boundaries on appearance. A lot of things those people did now, and I'm going to get down to it again. A lot of things those people did around were based, you know, we said culture is a cloak of what? Religion. Their religion affected the way they cut their hair. There's one point I want to make for Christians. Let me quickly get down to it. Many of the things we copy as believers, let's be careful. You know when um, the silversmith, the one that was fighting Paul and Co. Alexander, yes. You remember when he, when he started the riot? You know many people that joined the riot did not know what was going on. That's what the Bible says. That most people, they didn't know what was going on. They just saw riots, they started joining them. In the same manner today, many of us, especially young people, we copy things we don't know where it began from. God is merciful, but we're actually partaking, let's listen to this, in frank worldliness and it's unchristian. I will say this, like I said, it's not a law, it's one of the less, it's not one of the weightier matters of the law. This is when I see ladies especially wear torn jeans. I feel sorry for you. I think you just took your sense, threw it away. You don't realize you're a believer. It is not everything you copy. Satanists will sit down, create something out of the emptiness of their souls. Satanists will sit down, create something with a deliberate attempt to corrupt humanity, and Christians will copy. I first said, many of them, they don't even know. Listen to me, Christians, you can't be following fashion recklessly. It's ungodly. They got up one day, boys who had been to prison, got used to wearing trousers that, was too, that were too short for them. They wanted it to go down because of uh, weather, you know, like I told you, heat, you know, cold, sorry. They wanted to cover your, your body as much as possible. They gave you trousers that was not your length. So they dropped it. Then they came out of prison, typical of American gangster lifestyle. I mean, what was it a Puff Daddy? PDD, Didi, he has had different, what's his current name? Was it him or his friend? The name of their record label was Death Row Records. That was Tupac. Go and see the kind of things that they use to describe themselves. You see Death Row Records. They glamorize and glorify bad things. So when they came out of, people like them would come out of prison, they decided to turn prison uniform to fashion. And all over the world, boys started sagging their trousers. Listen to me. There's what the Bible calls the spirit of the age. The spirit of the age manifests in every aspect. One of the important, even though less important, less important ones, but important also, is in the fashion industry. Once I read the Reverend Father, he wrote an article, which was very beautiful. I, I mean, this was many years I wrote, read this thing. I don't think it's less than... 15 to 20 years, thereabout. And he pointed out something. That most of the top fashion designers in the world were homosexuals. And that homosexuals design clothes for women whom they don't desire. I don't know whether you're getting that point. They design clothes for women. They don't desire the women. So I said, they couldn't understand. Why would they tell you what to wear? And every year they come spring collection, you know, um, um, uh, winter collection, no, not winter, that was the concern us. Uh, uh, summer collection, they got all kinds of collection. And then those that I remember, then I used to watch CNN a lot, my ladies after NYC, and there's one lady, Elsa Clench. I used to wonder, what does Elsa Clench have to put on TV every week in fashion? Sometimes some of them will finish, you look and say, human beings can wear this. Thomas Misman, they start wearing it after a while. Listen to me, everything they produce has a reason. 
There's a lot of ungodliness which they deliberately push out, they normalize, then we copy. Sometimes it upsets me. Listen, if I see you wearing torn jeans, I don't, that is, one day I was in class. It was an evening lecture, so students could come any way they like. They came from their hostels. And one girl walked into class. I looked at her. I called her, come to the front. She was wearing tight, body-hugging jeans, stretch, everything, and torn. I said, listen, how would you like me to treat you if I met you on the road? Archbishop Idaosa said, dress the way you want to be addressed. I said, I won't talk to you nicely. I won't speak to you with respect. This world is a confused place. They demand that don't sexually harass women. That's what's going on in the world now. Me too. Hash me too. You know, that one's all over the place. And then they turn around, and then you see them sexually harass themselves in their appearance. Why would somebody design a dress? And then take time out to cut a place through which your breast will show. And you agree to wear it. There is what the Bible calls, for time's sake, I'm just saying many things. There's what the Bible calls the attire of a harlot. I think I should read that one. I need to read. There's a reason why I need to read that. There's a, that's, that is in Proverbs, okay? But it's a particular translation. Let me try and get that translation that I wanted. It's Proverbs chapter 7. Ah, I don't know whether I can get that translation. Okay, let's just get there. Proverbs chapter 7. Just one verse. It was describing an adulterous woman that was going to catch one foolish young woman. For time's sake, we won't read all of it, but okay, I just picked that single verse. It was describing that particular woman in verse 10, and it describes her like this. So, in verse 10, it said, And behold, there met him a woman dressed as a harlot, and sly and cunning of heart. That's amplified. If you read the King James, it said the woman was in the attire of a harlot. Now, let me read New Living Translation because it brings it to something a bit more modern for us, and then I want to connect it for, to explain something. It said, the woman approached him seductively dressed and sly of heart. Now, why I chose New Living Translation is because, you see, it explained what it meant by the attire of a harlot. That the concept is that a harlot's dress is designed to seduce. 